Generally Speaking About the Church, podcast episode number 92. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the About the Church podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And my name is DG Hollums. Today, we're here with part three, Trace, of the discussion, Is God Real or Is He Imaginary? Are we just delusional, unintelligent, crazy human beings? Mm, loco. El loco. <laughs> All right, DG, man, how's it going? It's going good going really good other than my wife having swine flu yes um, i saw that dude <laughs> oh is gosh. that scary or what no it's not scary at all it's just a flu it's a it's just like a super highly contagious flu and so are you super highly contagious are you coming to give me no. your germs no no not that i know <laughs> the doctor said i was fine and the only time i should ever run away from people is if i start having flu-like symptoms and and he gave me tamiflu so it's so funny i took tiffany my wife to the doctor because she was sick and she didn't get anything. He was like, you've got the flu. There's really nothing you can do about it. Just take some Tylenol for the pain and get some rest and drink lots of liquids. DG, on the other hand, I'm going to write him a prescription. <laughs> so I get the prescription when my wife goes to the doctor. It's pretty That great. makes no sense. It's hilarious. So they're not treating her at all other than just well, get rest. I mean, it's the flu. I mean, you really, it's not a bacterial kind of thing. You can't do antibiotics for it. Your body just has to survive it and then you'll have an immunity to it and keep on going. I mean, just like any other flu. So what was all the big worry then? Why is everybody like thinking, oh, this is great. The reason we're going to, we're going to have a pandemic and we're all going to die. Well, it's because it's super contagious other than like the other ones that are just mildly contagious I, and people are dying, but people die all the time with any of the other flus. If they have a pre pre-existing condition, uh, emphysema or, or, you know, or, um, you know, some type of it, most of the stuff I'm hearing is lung related. So if you have a if you have a decreased immunity, it doesn't matter if it's from the swines, the birds, or 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 from the snotty kid in the first grade. Right. You're gonna you get the flu exactly. And, and, and you're every year we have a flu shot, and that's what they're trying to do. Is they say there's a new strain of the flu coming around every year, and if your body hasn't built up an immunity to it, then they give you this shot. That has basically the dead flu, and it teaches your body how to fight it. Gotcha. Anyway, yeah. So well, and and it's, that it's relates not good. To, Don't get me wrong; it's bad. It's yeah. not cool. But she just has flu-like symptoms, and it lasts a week instead of like two or three days. And so the doctor basically just. But here's the here's the hard part, and this is so sad. She doesn't, you know, she didn't know she had, you know, the you know the flu. Uh huh. And she started having a headache and a little bit of sore throat. Sunday morning. Well, she preached Sunday morning at the church. So, and I don't know if you ever, if you've ever gone to church, but most of the time, everybody, especially if it's a guest preacher, everyone wants to come shake your hand and give you a hug and stuff like that. So she, you know, basically contaminated the entire congregation. Uh. And then after that, um, she, uh, <laughs> she, uh, served dinner to all the youth that evening. And in the evening is when she basically said, I'm definitely sick. I'm starting to have a fever. I'm going to go home. But the doctor said, you really aren't super contagious until you start having that fever aspect. So we're hoping that. But we sent out an email to the church. And, oh, man. Oh, yeah. That's horrible. Well, but she's okay. I mean, she's just, you know, she's sick. Lord, so. please help her heal fast. Amen. Thank you. All right. So. But I'm fine. 
I don't, you don't have to wipe anything down. All right. <laughs> I'm get, I'm going to pull the Lysol out after you leave. Okay, you know what? If, if you're that way, then go for it. <laughs> I felt really bad. There was a guy I was talking to yesterday. I had no idea, but this dude's monk. I mean, he is germaphobe, OCD, hardcore, takes medicine for the OCD part. I didn't know. And I thought he was just joking with me because he would literally walk along the wall instead of saying hi to me. Well, I found him during the dinner time. Is that a big, huge group of pastors and I coughed on his neck because uh-huh. <laughs> I was just joking and then I rubbed his back a little bit and it, it he freaked out like he went and grabbed one of the the Lysol cleaning you know antibacterial things and was like rubbing it all over his head and his neck oh my gosh I still feel so bad about that because I thought he was joking with me and so I was joking back and oh gosh oh my goodness that's anyway, not cool so I'm sorry <laughs> Well, there you go. That is our informal, non-faith-based discussion. But The guy's podcast calls that pointless time. (laughs) Yes. But at least it's connecting and a little peek into the life of the hosts here. Yeah, sure. That's right. I think that's valuable stuff. It's important. Yeah. Yeah, You 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 got to know who we are. Yeah. We find out that we're more than just uh, a bunch of delusional guys. Yeah, I'm just a jerk when it comes to people with OCD. (laughs) (laughs) Unknowingly, though. Unknowingly. Unknowingly, of course. Yeah. All right, so we are going to continue our discussion yes. of is God real, and and we can know, we can bring this up. We don't have to bring it up today. Actually, we can bring it at the end, whatever you no, want. No, let's go ahead and start with that, and that way I can uh, you know just leave this until at that because I want to make sure that we get that in. And by that, I'm pointing to a book, by the way, yeah, folks. Sorry. So, DJ, go ahead and get that, and then we we'll get to this guy if we have a chance. Okay, all right, cool. But this has to do with the topic of is God real? How do we know? Or Not really, no. Oh, well, then what is it? It's, it's just a book I was reading that I found intellectually stimulating, and I wanted to bring it before everybody. So in part three of our 25-part series of is God real, you want to change subjects in midstream? 25-part series. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, okay, here's one thought that I did have that's more applicable than the book. Okay, and then, that's why then, I say, then cover the book. The, well, bu- the book, honestly, is just for me to be able to read a little passage and then just to say, hey, let's start a conversation around it. I mean, that's, it really was the reason right. I brought the book in. Because it's challenging me, so I want to challenge everybody else. Or not challenging, but finding intellectually stimulating. Anyway, but I was having a, I had a thought on the drive here about conversations with people like this guy who did this, who who whose voice is grating on people's nerves, apparently. And I thought to myself, if um, and maybe some people actually look at Christians this way, I don't know. But it, I think it would be very beneficial for other people to look at Christians and I think that we have gone so post Christianity and, and that's I, I really or I, we might even be pre Christianity in some parts of the U.S. now. But I think that we are that the U.S. has become post Christian. I don't believe that we're necessarily a Christian nation per se. And um, and, and if, it, if, it, if it's gone far enough, I'm wondering if people could actually look at Christians as if we were um, an unknown tribe. Does that make sense? OK, like, you know, just oh, I really not understand. I'm really not sure if I understand your culture's ways of doing things and things like that. It's almost like, you know, it's some National Geographic coming and filming. Oh, what are the, what are the Christians doing now? You know, that kind of a thing. But I think that, you know, we have no problems whatsoever as a society to look at a different society to be able to say, oh, that's really interesting that they, you know, um, you know, kill a pig on the high holy day of their, you know, of their of their services or of their community, and then we find we look at them as 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 almost anthropological, um, and 
And if people could do that with Christians, then they would understand that maybe it's not offensive that I prayed for you, but it's just my personal way of saying the greatest thing I can do for you, even above money in my mind and in my life and in my culture and in who I am is to literally pray for you. And I, and I, and so I find a lot of people, at least in the, in, in my life, when I, when I let them know, Hey, I'll be praying for you. They find that offensive because they're not Christians. But you know, I think what's happened in reality is they've been hurt by the church in some way uh, or hurt by Christians uh, in some way. And, and they find that if, so they're, they're so offended by Christians that it's really, truly affected the way that I, you know, it, but I, it, there's nothing, there's nothing, uh, even when I tell somebody I'm praying for them, I'm not saying it with the, with the, um, uh, what do you call it? With the intention, uh, oh, what do you call it? Like when you have an, with an, with an agenda to convert you. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. And I think a lot of people, whenever I say, Hey, you know, I'm going to be praying for you or can I pray for you? They assume that that agenda of convert is, is going to occur. Uh, and so I just, I, I just, you know, randomly, I just have these conversations in my head with how would conversations go if I could actually talk to this guy uh, or some of my other friends who are agnostic or atheist and, and help them to realize that the point of this relationship is not, I, I honestly don't have the agenda of trying to convert you. My agenda is honestly in my faith and in my relationship with God is to love you. Right. Uh, is to unconditionally, honestly, to befriend you and to serve you in whatever ways that, that are, that I'm able to do. And and I I have no expectation of trying to convert you. Now, if you want to know more about Christ and you do want to convert to Christ. The question is, do you have, do you have the desire to convert them? Uh, and and I think that's a tricky question. Yeah, and it pre- because can, that's a, it that pre-assumes. sounds like agenda. That well, sounds like agenda and it also preassumes that we have the ability to convert somebody. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's and that's the See, other. That's thing. the thing that's that was the big transformation for yeah. me. Yeah. Is that I used to go. I used to befriend based upon whether or not I felt like I could convert someone. Right. You know, and or yeah. whether or not they would validate my way of thinking right and finally i became to i i got to the point in my faith in god that i didn't need other people to validate it right that if you don't believe me and in fact you call what i believe as a crutch because i'm a weak person right well then that's fine you're allowed to believe that and that's not going to hinder my faith my faith is strong enough to withstand somebody telling me i'm a weak person that needs a crutch Right. Because I know for a fact that it's more than that. And in spite of the fact that you vehemently disagree with my faith, I can still develop a close relationship and friendship with you right. around other shared passions or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And so, and so, and, and so every single time I hear this guy speaking, uh, he keeps on saying, well, if you just would think critically, yeah, if you just, if you just would use the brain that you have, I was going to say that God gave you, but he wouldn't say that. <laughs> if you would just use the, your brain, then you would realize how archaic and how stupid, you know, how ignorant. I don't know if you'd say stupid because you know, I think he's trying to be, you know, not super confrontational. Right. Um, well, I don't know. I think he is. Well, he is in his uh, he's own way. Pass- no, he's passive aggressive, but he's yeah. very argumentative. Right. And his agenda is to wake you up from this medieval or 
uh, archaic way of, of living your life with this faith or this religion right? Uh, that's doing these things. So anyway, I just, I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting kind of thought and the whole convert thing that, that idea came from the book and that's, that's well, go ahead and tell us about this book. And if we get to, if we get to this, this guy uh, before, you know, before or after this, then that's fine. But if not, We'll we'll steer this off, and I'll give this title this podcast episode a different title. Okay. okay. Well, cool. if you don't mind, that's, I mean, I, I don't I don't want to purposely stay on course. Right. If you felt that you know, it's like, wow, I've got something that is really interesting that I'd love to discuss. Right. And so, by the way, sorry everybody in the chat room, man. It looks like there's a great conversation going on in there. I just there's a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't been able to catch up with it. Anyway, uh, so Donna Butler Bass is an Episcopalian. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure you've had her on the Praxis podcast before. No, I've wanted to have her on the Praxis. Podcast okay, I've just before, heard you say her name a lot. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but she's written a book. One of the, I think the one she's most known for is Christianity for the Rest of Us: uh, Strength, Strength for the Journey, or the Practicing Congregations. Anyway, she's got a PhD in Church History from Duke University. Uh, taught at the University of California, Santa Barbara, Rhodes College, and Virginia Theological Seminary. Uh, currently a senior fellow at the Cathedral College for the Washington National Cathedral. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to, to let you know who in the world this is coming from. Okay. But she she basically, and the, I think the gist of this book is basically a people's history of Christianity. The idea is uh, history is always written by the winners. Okay. Not the wieners, but the winners. Yes, got it. <laughs> and so uh, because, you know, you took over that country, and so therefore you're the one that's going to decide what goes into books, and you get to write history and uh, you're going to probably look better than the one that got beat up. <laughs> exactly. And so she said, uh, she, she thinks that Christianity is probably no different than any other history books. And so we probably have a history of Christianity that's from the winners okay. and not necessarily the losers. So I think, and I, and I think this is just the, the way that she kind of got the idea for the book. Now I don't know if she actually goes into that. Cause I really have not read the whole book yet. I really haven't. I just read the first part of it. And I was like, Ooh, that's interesting. So anyway, her, her gist is, there's two different kinds of Christianity, at least the history of Christianity, uh, when it comes to the church. And one is, uh, what she call it, Big C Church, and the other one is, um, oh, I forgot, Great C Church or something like that. But anyway, so here's here's the usual story, at least for the U.S. Okay. okay. Uh, uh, for 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 United States uh, Christian living in the United States, so Jesus came to the earth to save us, uh, but what he really did is found the church. <laughs> Okay. Right now, you can you can hear there's an agenda going on here. So, uh, this the church suffered under Roman persecution until the Emperor Constantine made Christianity legal. Uh, with this new status, the Christian religion spread throughout Europe, where popes and kings formed a society they called Christendom, which was run by the Catholic Church and was constantly threatened by Muslims, witches, and heretics. Uh, there was there were wars and inquisitions. When people had an, had had enough, they rebelled and became and they protested. And that's where we get the term Protestant. Their main leader being John Calvin, which is also Martin Luther, of course. But John Calvin really kind of permeated it. Um, and and of course, uh, this is the Christian viewpoint from the United States. And so she's saying they're prominently John Calvin is for Protestants, who was a great theologian but a killjoy, is what she said. <laughs> Eventually, uh, Calvin's heirs, the Puritans, left Europe and set up a new Christian society in the New World. The United States of America then became the most important Christian nation in the world, a beacon of faith and democracy. Nice. Okay. So she says, um, she says, Big C Christianity is, and this is her terms, and this is where it's kind of getting, you know, a little bit more. 
is militant Christianity. It's not necessary conservative religion, for there exist liberal versions of it as well. Rather, it is a theological disposition that interprets Christianity as an us-against-them morality tale of a suffering church that is vindicated by God through its global victory over other worldviews, religions, and political systems. Militant Christianity tolerates and often encourages schisms, uh, crusades, inquisitions, warfare, blah, 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 metaphorical, if not actual, to the right to the righteous end of establishing God's will on earth. Um, and it says elements of the story form uh, American public discourse. Politicians and preachers regularly refer to it. It is, of course, a bastardization of an old storyline, a triumphal tale um, of, um, of a Protestant superiority and Christian manifest destiny. And, and she just keeps on going uh, about that. And she says, basically, what's what's happened is is we have a spiritual amnesia that we all, if we've honestly just been given this story. And really, honestly, most Christians probably don't even know the history of their of their church. And what can we do about that? And she said, so the probably the best thing in the world for us is as a church to actually have history and actually know the history of the church and how it is formed. I, I want to say that I would strongly desire to know the history of the church. And yeah. of course I say that, but then again, there are plenty of books that talk about the history of the church that I could read. Of course, yeah. <laughs> sure. So whose responsibility is it really to teach me about the history of the church? Right. Well, it, it's everyone's responsibility to learn about that. You know, so you read all those books and then you can decide, oh, that one's a little bit yeah. biased that way. And that one's a little bit biased that way. Let's, is there a happy medium kind of, that's, you know, can I listen to NPR and Rush Limbaugh and have a find a, find a happy medium somewhere in the middle? Of well, it? the question then becomes, does, what does she say about the Bible as a source of history? Oh, she definitely thinks it's definitely a, a huge source of history. Okay. Um, Do, does she think that it's a, that it has the same kind of bias that, you know, no, no, no. What she's saying is, is due to the history of the church that has changed the way we interpret the Bible. Oh, okay. Yes. So, so basically, when with that history that I just read, which is true, <laughs> those events did occur, but did they occur for those reasons? And that's and that's what she's challenging everyone on. Okay. You know, is are the Crusades, which were a part of this Christendom understanding, really truly something that Christ would desire? <laughs> And, and we're not proud of that. You know, hopefully you're not proud of that. And the Spanish Inquisitions and, and, and wars that are based on we've got to do this us versus them when it comes to worldviews or Muslims or witches or whatever yeah. else. And so she, what she says is with that history, the church, at least the church in the U.S., has the mentality of reading the Great Commission mm-hmm. as saying go and make converts instead of go and make disciples. Yeah. And then you have this manifest destiny, this militant Christianity that's like we have to conquer the, the all the world to convert everyone over to Christianity. Yeah, well, I mean, I can understand where that comes from. Right, exactly. I, that's I don't, what she's I don't, saying. I don't know the original Greek or Hebrew, but uh, you know, go therefore into the entire world and make disciples of all nations. Right. I mean, how else do you interpret that? Well, the, and, is and that the, is that not a manifest destiny? No, I would not say. I don't that, necessarily. I would say it's it would by be. conquest, but right. <laughs> but but you know, the, is it not befriend the world and and share the good news of Jesus Christ? And, exactly. But but befriending a world and sharing good news is not converting the world. Does that make sense? There's a difference between the two. God does okay. the conversion part. The church necessarily might not need to do that part. Go therefore and make and disciples. All, the key there disciples. is disciples. I think uh, the key is disciples. To make disciples. And how do you make a disciple? 
Right. Well, you have to understand what a disciple is. And, so a and, disciple is somebody who's chosen to follow. To a certain extent, the, the actual term disciple translated from the Greek into English okay. could mean student, pupil, or apprentice. Right. Okay. But it's somebody who chose that position. Well, yeah, they, well, they, they're, they're a student of, of the good news. They're a student of Jesus. Okay. So that's the way I would have described ah, it. So and so, and then I think in go, just keeping the whole student uh, analogy going that when you're, when you're baptized, th- th- that's my way of saying I've declared a major. <laughs> Does it make sense? Like, oh, you know what? I've declared a major. My major is going to be Christianity now. I'm going to spend the rest of my life in this field, in this study of Jesus, getting to know Jesus, finding out more about Jesus and believing that I desire to have this relationship with Jesus, because I don't think that you can be a student without having a relationship and that having that student apprentice kind of relationship just goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Right. And I actually appreciate the term apprentice more than I do student because apprentice has in the understanding of it as I'm going to show you how to do this, but you're going to be expected to do this. <laughs> right. You know, it's kind of like, uh, I think of like a medieval uh, metalsmith and he's making a horseshoe and he's hammering it out. And well, he's eventually going to hand you the hammer and say, get to work. <laughs> you know, here's how to do it. And that's the reason I love that understanding of disciple. So her, I think, and then, and then I think what she does is she says, Hey, let's go back and read the great commandment. And if we read the great commandment, which is the Shema at first, and then loving God with every ounce of who you are. And, loving your neighbor as yourself, mm-hmm. that when you actually love your neighbor as yourself, they are a student. They, exactly. If, you, if you're loving your neighbor as yourself then the great commission can be found in the great commandment. And so let's stop putting the emphasis on the great commission and start putting the emphasis on the great commandment. And we'll actually do both of them. Right now. She's not saying the great commission's bad. She's just saying that we've misinterpreted it because of the history of the church that, that we should be, we could be actually looking at it, uh, with the, with the wrong mindset because of our history, because of how we've understood the history of the church. And so she basically says, so the, the best thing we could all do is actually have a better understanding of the history of the church. And, and, and like you're saying that, that, that means it's really important for us to be able to have good teachers and good, you know, good things to be. And I think that's what she's basically attempting in this book. Now, I have not read this book. I literally have read the first chapter. That's it. And that's how stimulating it was for me. I wanted to share that stimulation. No, I, I, I think that's uh, mental great. stimulation with everybody else and with you too. So very cool. You know, it, it, it's, thanks for letting me get it out. It's just, you can tell it's kind of on me. Yeah. And no, you, I just need, to, I need I'm, to voice it. So let me just say this podcast is generally speaking about the church. That's and, right. <laughs> and, and you know what? That drives some people crazy that we are just so general. We don't get really deep into the, all the, it is what it is. This show is it, my, my, and I, I'd love to just readdress this for just a second, just so people know yeah, so what, what to expect from it's us. It's good to remember who we are. Exactly. <laughs> the whole idea of this podcast from conception is simply to have real life conversations about faith that I would normally have with somebody over lunch. Right. You know, nothing more than that. Our, our desire here is not to come and teach biblical truth. Our matter of fact, you're when you listen to the About the Church podcast, you'll sometimes get opinion as much as fact, and sometimes you'll get opinion more than fact. It, it, it's just us talking about our faith, and yeah, and sure. sometimes we will we will share our convictions, and sometimes yeah. we'll say this is what I see the Bible saying, right? And but sometimes you'll just hear us saying, you know what, this is just a casual conversation, and. You know what? I I question this. 
Yeah. In fact, um, yeah. I, I got an, e- an email. Uh, DG and I were talking about it before we hit the record button. We won't go into details about some of the things that were said. But one of the first questions was, you know, I can't figure out. So are you Christian or not Christian? It sounds like you're not sure about your faith. You know, and right. and, and what I'd love to say in response to that is that I, I actually consider that a, a, a compliment in a way. And the reason why is because I am so sure about my faith that I'm okay discussing the things that I'm not sure about. Right. Yeah, exactly. Does that make sense? Oh, complete sense. Yeah. I'm okay with talking about this guy who says, you know, how do you explain this? How do you explain this? And I'm okay in the last episode with saying, you know what? This one, I got to hand it to you. I don't have, I personally don't have an answer. Now, I think we came up with something that in the last episode that really does help, you know, to understand that, you know, is death the ultimate, you know, painful experience that we all say right. believe that it is and, could it be and, a healing yeah. and, and stuff like that or and whatever the case may be but i still i still say that i just don't know that i have a valid answer that i oh, could sure. give that would satisfy somebody who is intellectually trying to understand god sure and that's the other part that i think that a lot of um th- and this is i i wrestle with this when i was in seminary uh for example um a case for christ uh, what's guy who wrote the, uh, is it Strobel that wrote that Lee Strobel? I can't remember who the it was. case for Christ is case definitely, Christ. uh, Lee Strobel. Okay. So, and it really is exactly what you're talking about. You know, just, this is how to use science and, and understand science to be able to, to prove, uh, or to be able to, you know, have really, really great conversations about God. And, and, and so the thing about that though is, is I think that a lot of Christians want to just do the science aspect and they're forgetting the fact that the Holy Spirit could be involved. Yes. <laughs> and and that's and that's another aspect that Christians and but for me that's relieving for me. You know, mm-hmm. I mean that's that gives me a peace to know that it's maybe not my job to just only defend Christianity through science that there is something else going on there and I can let God be able to do some of the challenging work too. Right. And I think it's you know some of the best some of the best life stories that I've ever had, my grandfather or my father could have just bluntly said, you, you just don't do that period. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But the other people that, that I found really challenging, they, they said, I wouldn't do it because here are some of the consequences, but mm-hmm. you're going to have to figure that out for yourself. Or they did it in a way that basically said that. And I tell you, I think I learned more that way. <laughs> than I ever would have if someone just said, don't do that. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that there's got to be something to be said about the experience of that relationship that you're having or that two people are having or a group of people are having uh, that is extremely powerful because I, I do believe that, that there is something else at work in the hearts and lives of people. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, we still have a little bit of time. We're at 27 minutes in. I think we could probably go ahead and do another 15 minutes here. So let's go ahead and pull up. I think we left off with this guy. uh, Question number four. So here is question number four. And of course, I've got it muted and I had it set up so perfectly. I did, I promise. Oh, no. Oh, man. Oh, well, here we go. So you create some kind of rationalization to explain these verses. His voice does Question four. Why does the Bible contain so much anti-scientific nonsense? 
You have a college degree, so you know what I'm talking about. You know how science works. You happily use the products of science every day. Your car, your cell phone, your microwave oven, your TV, your computer. These are all products of the scientific process. You know that science is incredibly important to our economy and to our lives. But there's a problem. As an educated person, you know that the Bible contains all sorts of information that's total nonsense from a scientific perspective. God did not create the world in six days, 6,000 years ago, like the Bible says. There was never a worldwide flood that covered Mount Everest, like the Bible says. Jonah did not live inside a fish's stomach for three days, like the Bible says. God did not create Adam from a handful of dust, like the Bible says. These stories are all nonsense. Why would an all-knowing God write nonsense? It makes no sense, does it? So you create <laughs> some like type nonsense. of very strange excuse to try to explain why the Bible contains total nonsense. Question five. Oh, wait. We can't have you doing question number five yet. <laughs> total nonsense, None. man. Wait for it. Sense. <laughs> oh, God surely didn't nonsense. say that. Nonsense. Oh, goodness. Anti-Christian statements, sentiments in the Bible. Nah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> Obviously, you know what? Regardless, DG, what you think about evolution versus sure, yeah. creation, okay? <laughs> Let, let's 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 ignore what we believe, okay? And, and and by the way, for those of you who are listening, DG and I absolutely believe differently on this issue. Yeah, sure. All right, course. young Earth versus much older Earth, yeah. and 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 it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't even matter which one of us believes which at this point. But sure. you have to admit that there is a very big percentage of evangelical Christians who believe in a young Earth understanding of creation six literal days 24 hour period right there are lots of people that believe that. there yes. are lots of, of people that believe that and there are people who they wouldn't uh, there's no way that 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 the creation museum would have ever been built if that was not the case that is exactly right <laughs> and and not only that but the people who put materials be- together by the creation museum uh or well i i don't even know why we call it the creation museum it, it, they were something else um answers in genesis is the right, name answers, yeah, yeah, yeah. A- answers in genesis is the name of the men- ministry that's been around forever and so basically answers in genesis has lots of scientists who research and have a lot of materials that you can actually read that are very intellectual that provide in my opinion enough argumentative information that convinced me of a of a certain one way or the other right and so and i'm not to say i'm not afraid to say i am a young earth creationist believer now because my friend dg across the table is not does not change our relationship you know but here's the thing i i it, it sounds ludicrous to my friends who don't believe in the young earth trans understanding of um of you know of scripture interpretation and all that stuff but it sounds ridiculous for me to say well i believe that dinosaurs did exist and that they walked the earth at the same time as humans and perhaps they got lost in the flood you know they got killed in the flood or who's to say that dinosaurs don't exist somewhere have you ever seen these little uh what do they call those uh lizards no the the komodo dragons dragons you know they they look a lot like a dinosaur to me i mean it's it's at least some lizards and snakes yeah reptiles anything that's reptiles i I, you know i would i just 
you know, the fact is, is, is it possible for a human being to be swallowed by a large fish? You know, and, and, and number one, number two, do I have to believe that that was a literal story that was being told to right. believe in scripture? Right. And so, you know, I believe what the Bible says to be true. And, you know, I do believe that we have to, um, we have to understand the different types of scripture, you know, as far as the different types of writing. Okay. Wait, just a second. I want to read, uh, the ramen noodle, uh, .com. I'll, I'll give okay. that. I'll give that. <laughs> Uh, he said earlier, he said, we must read scripture as the infallible word of God, comma, interpreting scripture with scripture and reading each passage in the way it was intended to be taken. Now, this is the important part of what he just said. History as literal history, poetry as poetry, prophecy as prophecy, et cetera. Yes. And I, and I think that is, and I, and I told him, I said, that's the, that's a difference. I mean, that's, that really is the difference between what I believe and what um, the answers in Genesis and, and you and, 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 you know, things like that. Uh, that really is my big differences for a lot, with a lot of those people because what we're choosing to decide is literal history and what is not literal history. That's that's where the rub is, right? And, and that honestly, uh, that's the big that's the big issue. You know, is um, and and so what's going on there is you're making uh, you're making a uh, a judgment call and I'm making a judgment call and we both are deciding that the genre that we're reading is differently. Right. Is different. And that's, yes. and that really is a difference. I mean, that is the difference. So I don't think that, uh, I, well, I don't, I, the, the creation story does not have to be a literal event for me because I believe that it was a theological writing. It was not a historical writing. It was a theological writing. And I think that its purpose was to basically combat or give a contrast to all the other myth stories that were going on at the time period, all of the, the ancient Near East and Babylonian and Egyptian, all these creation stories were going on at the same time. And so I believe just like, and this is what God does, at least I seem over and over again in the Bible, he uses something that we understand like a covenant or a Roman torture device. <laughs> and he says, I'm going to help you understand who you are and who I am through these things that you already get. I don't have to bring in something brand new. I'm just going to use what you already have so I can help you understand better. Right. And so that's what I see as a lot of those things. So the 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 Jonah and the and the whale story, there are other ancient Near Eastern texts that have uh, well, maybe I should I should say the flood the, I'm I'm thinking of the flood narrative. Right. Noah, the whole Noah story and the flood narrative. There are other ancient Near Eastern texts that we have that were that I believe were around way before the one that we find in the Bible was written that have in some cases, I mean, paragraph for paragraph, it's the exact same words as the other one. So to me, that says just like God has done in the past, I'm going to take the stuff you already understand. You've already heard, but I'm going to change it. So you know who I am. I'm going to give you a reality that's in, embedded within something you already know. Right. And so that's the reason I read uh, the creation stories, Genesis one and Genesis two, I believe there might be, could be two different stories. Um, but I read those as, um, and, and this is, uh, this is not now granted what I just said probably blew a lot of people's brains. Right. <laughs> and I get that. I understand that this is through, I mean, years worth of me working through it. Um, and this is, you know, and that, like I said, this is where we disagree uh, on a lot of stuff. And that's, well, I'm okay with disagreeing with Christians. We don't disagree on Jesus, baby. That's true. <laughs> 
but uh, I do believe that that was a historical man that came and yep. lived. Uh, we don't have a disagreement on that at all. But that's and that's and so that's what I'm saying is is we have a different understanding of what that genre was that it was, and we are both allowing that genre to be the genre. Right. And so answers in Genesis says nope. Genesis is a historical history document, and it was written to be that way. And so they're allowing it to be that. And they're they're just living within the genre that they've assigned what that is. And I'm doing the same thing with the genre that I've decided what it is. Right. Um, and it's not just me. I mean, we everyone everyone there's a bunch of people on both sides of this. It's not just <laughs> you and me wrestling with it. And I think that that mine is probably more prominent um, in um, I, in, I you know this is a statement I'm kind of ignorantly saying. I'm, I'll state that I, I want to say that mine's probably more prominent in uh, in uh, academia. Okay. Like in like in higher education kinds of stuff because they're you know the answers in Genesis. The reason I say this is because I was a part of a higher academia and there was nowhere ever even mentioned. Well, uh, that, that's weird because I was in a higher academia and it was, but it was but not in secular schools. It was in, in the in the colleges that I went to. Obviously, I went to evangelical Christian training, so I mean it. It was very much you know the young Earth was taught right. and trained and, right. and stuff like that. And it was trained, trained from a scientific perspective. And, I, and I'm primarily saying masters to doctorate level okay. of education. Uh, and you're right. I mean, and, but I went to an evangelical school too. Asbury theological seminary is still considered evangelical school. Uh, and, and so, and I think, you know, in a lot of cases, even in the, even in the hardcore evangelical schools, you're going to have that one professor that's different or that those three professors right, are different. Whatever right. else, so, but I'm just finding in general, I'm making a very general statement. Well, well, here's uh, the thing. That, so. Th- this guy's question number four to, to disprove the, whether or not God is real. Uh, it, it seems kind of crazy. So, so he says, God did not create blah, blah, blah in such and such days. God did not do this. God did not do this. And, and a guy did not get swallowed by a, you know, a fish and blah, blah, right, blah. Right, right. And, and I think he's just saying, don't those things sound absurd? They do sound absurd. Exactly. That's what he's saying. And <laughs> that's I what I hear him saying. I don't question it sounds like nonsense. Right. Exactly. You know what? Yeah. But there's plenty of scripture that talks about that God takes the foolishness of the world, you know, to shame the wise. Right. Exa- yeah. You sure. know, it, it's not just well, about intellectual assent. Right. And I think that ultimately where other people would, another way of basically saying that is, is wait a second. If you believe that some dude lived as a human being died and three days rose again and never died again, like got beamed up, you know, Beam me up, to, to somewhere or some other existence or something. I mean, you're saying a huge faith statement when you say that. Yeah, and, and, it's like, and, and, and why so not I, and attack people, that? Exactly. I mean, doesn't that sound like nonsense? Right, and I think that it's just he he. I think he knew that there's no one going to be listening to me if I really attack the divinity of Christ. Yes. Um. And uh, but why not go after you know, you know Genesis or you know, all, all the different things that are in there. Right. Uh, at the same time, so yeah, but but that's and that's and that's another way of arguing for uh jonah and and the flood and and genesis 2 is to be able to say and and i think wrongly so some people say well if you believe in jesus then you got to be able to believe in those things no i don't agree with that i think that there that each account could if if it's true and it's real that that there's enough out there that you could attribute its own validity to it but even still i believe that god is bigger than gravity yeah, exactly. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Sure. So if God wanted to levitate me in the air, 
<laughs> he could do it. It's scientifically, it makes no sense. Right. And there are, there are, there are all those people like Answers in Genesis that said, all right, we're going to take this on scientifically and we're going to prove that it could actually happen scientifically. Um, and this is what it would take for the parting of the Red Sea, you know, or whatever else, you know, just different things like that. Right. There's a lot of people out there doing that. So Exactly. All right. So anyway, we'll, we're going to move on to the next one and then we'll wrap up here. So you create some type of very strange excuse to try to explain why the Bible contains total nonsense. Question 5. Why is God such a huge proponent of slavery in the Bible? And why do all intelligent people abhor slavery and make it completely illegal? You have to come up with some kind of weird rationalization to explain it. Question 6. All right. So I love what... uh Troy says in the chat room, this is generally speaking about total nonsense. <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> All right. So God's a proponent of slavery. You know, if you're a slave, stay a slave. You know, is that what he's talking about? I, I I think that honestly is what he's thinking. Okay. No, that's what I'm saying. Is is that what he's re- you yeah. think he's referring to the section of the scripture? It says, listen, wherever you find yourself in life, be content. You know, if yeah. you're a slave, don't try to get your freedom. You know, and and if you're a slave master, uh, the Bible instead of saying "let your slaves run free," uh, it says "treat them kind." You know, it continue. What, what do you? Yeah. It, I, I would assume that that's what he's talking about because I would say that yeah, when I was actually investigating my faith and my understanding of Scripture and my understanding of God, I thought that that actually seemed kind of weird. What about you? When when you came across those portions of scripture, did you seem that seem to think that it was a little weird that it says, you know, there's no male or female, you know, there's the there is no slave or free, you know, but yet he's not suggesting that slave masters uh, let human beings go as as free people. Right. And I think that, uh, well, I think that what he's just saying is, you know, it's never said this is bad. Okay. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's never in the Bible. You know, it, it was actually in some cases, you know, I, especially in the old Testament, just like, you know, treat them, you know, the, the great thing is, is a lot of the stuff, especially in the new Testament is treat them with respect, you know, actually care about them and, and, uh, and, you know, treat them, <laughs> treat them with respect, which is radical for the time period. I mean, major, major radical for the time period. Um, but I think that's what he's just saying is he's like, it's never outright comes out and says, this is horrible. And, and, and you've got to stop doing that, uh, kind of a thing. Um, and so, you know, I think you get it in Philemon, you got to get it in Titus. Uh, and there's, there's slavery all in, you know, all found within the Bible the whole time. But I think that's, that's where he's coming from. He's what what about, saying, how come he didn't come out and just say it's horrible. It's, it's, what, despicable. How what about the it? what about the treatment of women not being allowed to speak in the church back then? I mean, is does he he doesn't address that? I mean, I think ob- that would be his next step. Yeah, and then and then and then divorce and just just go down the go down the list of what people would say. Yeah. Is it does never say it's you know really so, really bad. So how did you come to how did you come to conclusion about that? You just you feel that you know in my mind and 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 I'll be honest with you, I've not dealt with slavery personally. So it's not a hot topic for me, but obviously I studied slavery a lot and I know how horrific it was, at least, you know, intellectually thinking about it I, I, to actually witness it and see it and have an emotional tie to it. I don't. Uh, but, you know, the, the thing for me when I thought through this process was, you know, Christianity wasn't meant to be a, a political movement 
It was a relationship with God. And no matter what our circumstances in life, God can be there and is there, is there in the midst. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I think I, th- I think there would be a lot of cases to say it would be a political movement as well. Okay. I, to, to, you know, just to throw a difference on that. Well, no, wait a second. DJ. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, rewind about the church, you know, <laughs> 90 or so episodes, <laughs> okay. you know, 80 some odd episodes. Wait a second. I'll clarify you think what I'm saying. Because yeah. you don't vote. Right. How, no, no. how do you how no, can I'll you say clarify. maybe it's a I'll political I'm thing? I'm talking about that that it was a direct it was a direct challenge to Rome. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. That Christianity in general, I mean when you read in Revelation it says uh you know the um uh the uh I mean just the, over and over again it's just it Rome is basically Satan the whole time over and over again. And I think it's basically just saying at least in my interpretation of scripture is just saying, you know, Christianity is above, it's, it's above any of these, any of these um, worldly kingdoms. Right. Does it make sense? But that was a huge political challenge to even be able to say, Hey, the kingdom of God is opposed to the kingdom of Caesar. Right. Or, oh, I see, you know I see what you're saying. I think it was a very political I, statement and it was taken that way. I'm not saying, that, I'm not saying what you're, that's but, why I, I knew I had to clarify what I was okay, talking about. Okay. <laughs> now I, now I understand what you're saying, but what I was saying is that the, your Christian faith isn't, you're not being called to change the political systems of slavery versus non-slavery. I think in some cases you are though, because it's, it's not necessarily, I'm going to change this, the, the system. It is a, it is a social justice right of every human being. Then you're willing to fight for that. And why can't you be able to use in some cases, the government to be able to see that come about. And the only reason, and, and not the only reason, but I, you know, I would, I'm going to fight for, um, I'm going to fight for those that are dying in Africa. Right. I'm going to fight for the people that have no voice in Central and South America. Um, and I know a lot of Christians that choose to, to have that fight, um, to have a voice in that fight through the community. And so, you know, and, and that's that's why I'm saying uh, I will vote every day on an issue. I might not vote for a person. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, and that's and I think that's the difference. Right. The, the difference between all of those. All righty. Well, I'll tell you what. I we will leave off the uh, the last six for upcoming episodes of the you know twenty five part series of Is God Real? <laughs> Actually, I, I just want to get to the end where he tells us we're all a bunch of morons. Well, maybe we could just skip next week all the way to the end. We'll just cover them all. <laughs> That's what we'll do. I'll tell you what we'll do is next week we'll just make this a four part series. Next week, you'll get the remaining five minutes of his diatribe, <laughs> and we'll just run through and answer them all. And uh, anyway, the light, one of the light bulbs just went out. Okay. I was like, what was that? <laughs> Is it lightning outside? That's God's lightning coming down to <laughs> strike us for not being so biblically ab- accurate, accurate yeah. with every th- word we speak. <laughs> <sighs> Thank you all for listening to us. Yes. We realize you have a choice in your one hour, and you chose to spend it with us. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Especially those of you in the chat room. I mean, gosh, look at this, DG. We got, we got At one point, we had, I think, 36 people in the chat room. Uh, just a major thank you to Anne, and you've got Andy in here. You got Dre Miller, Vicky, Amy, Fred. You've got Jeff and Jerica. You've got Gabe and Justin and Mary, Steve, and uh, let's see here, Mid South Catholic. I'm not sure what his name is. 
uh, or her name, uh, Pepsido. That's Brandon, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Brandon. All right. And then, of course, we also Some have... Anonymouses. Yes, a couple of anonymouses. We have Tess and Daniel and Tony and Troy and Alan and Jonathan and... Oh. Not to mention everyone that's listening to that on a podcast. People in, yes. in Ustream, thanks for watching us as well as listening to us. You know, we just thank you guys. I mean, it really, this is, we love coming here before you. And if you want to call in some feedback, you know, it, it doesn't matter what kind of feedback it is. Yeah, if you sure. want to, you want to call in some feedback, you can do that 24 hours a day, seven days a week at area code 859-795-4067. Again, that's 859-795-4067. And if you have an iPhone, you can actually use the voice memo application. Once you hit, rec- once you're finished recording, hit the share button. You can email your audio feedback to feedback at gspn.tv. Yep. All right. Anyway, we're out of here. We will catch you all next Tuesday. Actually, well, for us live, it'll be next Thursday. Thursday right. But Tuesday the, for everybody else. But it's Tuesday in the feeds is when this is released. So yep. God bless you all. We'll talk to you later. Praxispodcast.com, uh, adoption.holums.com, theguyspodcast.com. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, pray for another church that's not your own. Become a plus member at Become GSP. Become a plus member. Support us, man. We love y'all. Thank you. I'll support this content. God bless y'all. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. What's so funny?